Um, we're gonna open the call with the Fatiha. So we uh, wanna uh, invite uh, Sheikh Fadala, one of our guests, to guide us in this opening prayer for the call. this call is part of uh, something called the Beyond Initiative, which is a, a project, a process that uh, we are working together with the uh, International Network of the Dances of Universal Peace. And that's why we have so many people from the dance family today, but also I know we have friends from the, the circle of relationships of our three speakers. Um, the Beyond Initiative is uh, aiming to build bridges for this beautiful practice of the Dances of Peace uh, to arrive into um, non-Western um, environments. So we are uh, taking the dances to the Middle East and connecting there with the, with the youth and the people that are uh, looking for these new ways, new ways of connecting and we're taking the dances into Asia and we are training local youth to uh, empower them so they can, they can become uh, facilitators of this type of circles of focus and prayer and, and praise. And in this activity of building bridges, uh, we have come across with uh, amazing uh, Sufi tarikas, amazing uh, Sufi teachers, and we thought that the best way in which we could announce uh, the starting of the program of this year, 2020, was to uh, invite you all together for this amazing call. And we have as a guest um, Isa Baba, who is uh, calling from Konya in Turkey. And we were working with him in the Beyond Initiative in Turkey, and he hosted us in, in his house. And he has opened... Um, Chisti Kanka in Konya. And so for the dance family that we are um, underneath the umbrella of, of the Chistia, it was such a uh, joy to meet Isa Baba uh, in Konya. So he's one of our guests today. Uh, Murshid uh, Nil Doglat Klos, Murshid Sadi, um, probably all the dance family know uh, Murshid Sadi. But for the people joining from other families, uh, Murshid Sadi is a senior teacher in the Sufi Ruhaniyat, uh, also a very, very important um, master in the, in the work with the Dances of Peace. And 
yeah, I could speak extensively about the work of Murshid Sadin and his Aramaic, but uh, just to keep it brief, let's say he's he's one of our of our best men that we have in the in the big dance of Universal Peace family, and we have uh, our third guest tonight or this morning or this afternoon, depending where you are in the world. Uh, is Sheikh Fadala, who is uh, uh, living in South Africa now, and he's, uh, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I think he's one of the very, very important uh, elder teachers that we have alive now in the big multi-denominational big Sufi family and he himself represents uh, a couple of Sufi lineages and he has written extensively. Uh, I very much enjoy his, his writing and yeah, I thought it was going to be very, very difficult and almost impossible to have him here because he's very busy, but here we are all together with, uh, with this call. So, Thank you very much to our three uh, guest teachers and speakers. And to introduce a little bit about the, about the theme of the call, if you saw the flyer, it's called Engage Sufism. Um, and it's like a big question mark. Um, maybe most of us have, have heard that uh, Engage Buddhism has taken a lot of strength. And the monks in, in, in the Far East Asia working together with their spiritual path in order to also make transformations in their societies. So we are living uh, very crucial times um, in, 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 in our history. And there's definitely some new aspects in the times we're living now. Of course, the destruction has never been at this scale. Uh, civilizations have fallen and risen, but this is the really, the really first time that we are facing a probable, not only uh, end of civilization on, on a certain area in the planet, but we're talking like a, a massive uh, crisis. And this is the first time that also we're not only damaging like a valley or a river or a region, but we are damaging the global systems, the global ecosystems. Just to, just to give you an example, um, we all love coral reefs, but we don't, most of us, we don't know that uh, coral reefs are already half gone. And the most promising uh, predictions say that we will lose 80% of all coral reefs, the most promising, if we start uh, bringing back global warming. So we're really in a, in a critical times and from, from many points of view. And we want to explore with these beautiful teachers, um, how is spirituality in this time? Is, 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 there, the need, is there an urgent new call? Is there, is there anything new under the sun. Um, 
how is the the human spirit as a collective big soul uh, moving in these times and of course um, we all are here because we have a, a relationship with Sufism so we will explore this also in relationship to Sufism so to do that we're gonna work on rounds so you everybody knows what's happening and our three speakers are gonna take turns and we're gonna have three uh, more active and, and dynamic then because we're so many people we definitely cannot open the mic for the people to make questions but we invite you to write your questions in the chat and we're gonna take a very close look at those questions and at the end of the call we're gonna try to answer one or two or three really burning questions like frequently repeated questions in the chat but we're gonna keep all the questions and we're gonna share all those questions uh, later because uh, we're following the advice of Sheikh uh, Fadlala uh, who told us that those questions are gonna be very important to as a map of people's um, yeah, interests and, and questions. So let's start right now. Let's go straight to the point and at the very, very end of the call because this is a beyond initiative call i'm gonna announce very briefly the activities that we're gonna be doing in this year in 2020 um in the middle east and in in asia and in that way any of you who want to uh, learn more or be part of this uh, initiative, you can, you can do it and join us in, in some way. So, let's start by uh, welcoming our first uh, speakers. And uh, please turn off your videos, everybody turn off your videos, except the, except the speakers. And let's, let's explore first the question around the times we're living. Like, um, what is the, the special flavor of this moment? How, how do you see that? Uh, is there anything particular that is happening now? What, what is the meaning of these times for, for humanity? So um, let's start with our elder teacher. Elders go first. So thank you very much. And we are very happy to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Salam, salam, salam. All of us as human beings, we share the same thing in common, which is what is the origin? What is the destiny? Who are we? What can we do in order to live a joyful life here with outer participation involvement in the world in the total security and the perfection of that which drives us and gives us life within our own selves. The world beyond is a very interesting one. It simply implies that the space and time box where we have been 
born from the mother's womb to this earthly womb is not going to be complete. Reason we always want to break boundaries. We want to go to the extremes. We want to go before time. We want to go beyond time. This is in nature of our own spirit, our soul within the heart. This is the divine light which gives us life. So we are simply expressing it, that that source of life within us is boundless and not subject to any space. And we, as animals emerging from oneself a few billions of years ago, evolving, evolving, evolving in complexity through all kinds of movements and changes and cycles in a directional, if you like, haphazardness towards the ultimate. Consciousness has been rising for the last billions of years. Consciousness in the last few thousand years had risen exceptionally fast. And we can see it, we can feel it in our way of life, in our communication, in our fears, in our anxieties, and in our damages that we have been causing to the ecology and to ourselves and to everything else, and the fears that we are sharing. Consciousness now is much higher and wider and deeper than it was 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago there is progress. Equally, there is in a clumsy, if you like, outer sense, you can also say there is clumsiness, lack of sensitivity to the other creatures that are alive, wiping out so many species, and so on and so on. Both go together. The Quran is very clear in that God, Allah, will attain the purpose for which he has, been, he has created. And that purpose is to be known. That purpose is enlightenment. It is full awakening to the boundless, timeless, spaceless truth. So it is all work in progress. I can only celebrate, including the difficulties and the downside. But do remember, this is not just optimism. This is realism. Today's world has in it greater potential than 10 years ago, certainly far, far more than 100 years ago. 200 years ago here in South Africa, if you were a chief of a tribe, you could have killed, maimed, and done what you want. Nobody would have considered you as being criminal. Nowadays, taking the life of anyone is considered a crime all over the world. This is enormous progress. We are all worshippers of life. We are obsessed with life. All of our endeavors and activities, whether it is health, with transport, social media, whatever, whatever, is to connect, 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 and continue, continue, continue. That is the definition of God's, if you like, consciousness. That is what we all aspire for. And that is what we all have within us, dormant. We have to work to awaken it. How? Turn away from other consciousnesses, the lower, the fears, the selfishness, the anxieties, and, 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 and then we celebrate it boundlessly, and then we share this Thank you very much, Sheikh. Thank you very much for opening in such a beautiful way our time together.
So let's uh, pass it on. Let's continue in, in age order. So let's pass it on to Murshid Sadi. How can you describe the, the present times we're living? What's the special flavor of our time? Thank you, Arjun, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, I would describe it in, in similar terms to Sheikh Fadlala, uh, looking at the long view of, of our human history. Uh, we, we were uh, thousands and maybe 100,000 years ago, our, our whole idea of an individual self was, was much more subdued and perhaps virtually non-existent than it was right now. So our, our consciousness, if we want to use that term, was it already embedded in nature. Uh, and because uh, we traveled, we were originally nomads before agriculture, our consciousness is, is much more fully embedded in nature with animals, with plants, with the stars, with the planets, uh, all those things that we yearn for today, uh, we had, but we didn't have them in that sense because the sense of individual self was not was not really there. Uh, if we if we fast forward now, uh, even as recently as the Middle Ages in in the West, in Western Europe, so-called West, uh, the whole notion of individuality. The, the word individual is attaining its present meaning only in those times. And that's uh, maybe five, 600 years ago at, at most. And this is very recent in human history. And then as our sense of individuality of self uh, accelerates, it's almost like Newton's principle. It, uh, our, it, we're whirling around ourselves, if you will, and the centripetal force gets stronger and stronger until the self gets so individual that we no longer are aware of any connection with community, with nature, with all those things that we took for granted maybe half a millennia ago, or let's say a thousand years ago. So consciousness has changed so rapidly in the last uh, maybe 200 years that we didn't even have a word for the, in a Western sense, the word for consciousness really only arises in the last two or three hundred years. So, if you will, this, this is the situation in which we now find ourselves, and due to our individual life and our individual exploration and the search for uh, freedom, whatever, however we define that, um, hu humanity has evolved all these technological means uh, for doing things to nature, for doing things to each other, unspeakable things, and also speakable things. So both speakable and unspeakable, both uh, wonderful and absolutely horrible. Uh, and we're, because of also these technological, you could say these outer impulses, we're also able to connect outwardly uh, much more easily. We're able to understand uh, the pain and the suffering of the earth, of nature, of people on the other side of the planet when there's a, an earthquake or a volcano eruption or, or bushfires or, or any of these things. And you could say only at this stage of our whole development as, as selves are we now reaching the stage where 
the, the danger imposed by our, our selfness, by our Nazi reality, if you will, has become very clear. It's, it's right in front of our faces. And so it's, it's not surprising then. I mean, what, what, you, what some people have labeled the sort of neoliberal uh, economy was a small response to the very small incremental attempts at making us more of a community in the 60s and 70s in the West when we had the rise of, of women, more, you could say, the rise of ecological awareness that began to happen in the 60s and 70s, and, you know, more of a community awareness of equality uh, for different groups. And then the neoliberal impulse comes back in and says, well, no, you know, if we're free, then I'm free to make as much money as I want. I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want. And that means to oppress you. So the sense of freedom and community responsibility are played off against each other. And so then the response to, you could say, increasing, uh, you could say segmentation of wealth, the concentration of wealth in the hands of the few, the response to that is also a selfie, if you will, response to assert, okay, I'm a member of, a, of an oppressed group. Uh, I'm a gun owner. And it's, I identify as being a gun owner and I have the right to own guns. I identify as this, this group or that group. And so those that then have the means of control at present, they're happy to have all our identity politics where we're played off against one another and asserting our own individual rights because we never actually can get together then. So divide and conquer. All this becomes very clear now in the present age. And so this selfiness uh, infects our institutions, infects our organizations. We end up with what I would call selfie spirituality, if you will. Uh, and, and it's a how wonderful, how terrible. It's the evolution of human consciousness. Uh, to be so separate uh, that we have endangered ourselves and you could say the body, not only the human body, but the body of the planet uh, should alert us, it must alert us, that it's time to bring, start to turn the circle back towards where we were millennia ago, uh, much more embedded in nature, but now with a more awakened self, you could say, now with a much more conscious sense of self. So looking at the long picture, if I would just sum up, this whole thing that Hadith Qudsi talks about, uh, I was a hidden treasure and I wanted to be known, this is a gradual process. This is, this is a process in which we are in the middle of the stream, if you will. It's not something that happened a long time ago in a creation story. It's a continuing process. And we're now at, a, at such a dangerous point that we're all under the, excuse me for saying, we're under the gun uh, to either sort it out or uh, some other species is going to have to undergo this experiment perhaps at some other time. I don't know. So that, those are the times as I see it that we're in. Thank you very much, Sadi. Thank you very much for your contribution. Let's continue with uh, Isa Babam. And if you are new with this application um, and you have not done it, you can do on your right up corner you can click on the type of view that you want. So I recommend everybody to put the speaker view so you uh, see our guests in a full screen instead of gallery view. Okay, Isababam, 
how do you see the present times we're living now? Is there is there anything special, different, new? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim. Praise be to the sustainer of all of the universe, of all of existence, and blessings fall to his messengers and teachers of truth. I find that as the elders who have shared before me have shared so eloquently and wisely that there is indeed an intensity in this time. And this is an intensity that is felt more acutely because of an increase in awareness. And this is the intensity of what? Manifestations of the divine. And as this awareness, as this consciousness develops, we become more aware and we experience more intensely these manifestations. And this is what is can be called the gradual descent of what some call the Christ consciousness of the Akhlima'ad, of, of the higher consciousness that has been gradually descending, descending, descending over time. And the human being as the vessel of this consciousness and as a reflection of all that surrounds it is as many tradition many traditions teach the microcosm and so that which we see and experience outside of us we see and experience within us as well this negativity this great negativity and this great positivity that we see around us is something that is in reality a reflection of our own spiritual state and one of the Sufi poets said that if you are to become a servant, if you are to become one who serves love, capital love, capital L love, you are, as they say in English, on top of the world. You are a sovereign of the world. But if you are the sovereign of the world, in its external sense, not in the sense that it is connected to your heart and to your inner being, then you are a person of mourning. And I think that today we stand, in our times we stand precisely between these two ways of being, between these two approaches of being, because there is so much amazing increased interest in the path of the heart, in the path of the heart and the path of spirituality throughout the world. And with one drop, with reading one word of the Gnostic teachers, one word of the mystic teachers, people's hearts are illuminated. People find themselves changed. And at the same time, we see such great negativity, such great manifestations of violence. And these two things are not at all disconnected, but they are interconnected and they have to do with that inner state of the being and how we are experiencing that increased tajalli, that, that manifestation intensified in each moment. And so what we are called to do, what we are called to do in this context is to work on becoming 
more and more present, more and more in the moment, if you will, spiritually, inshallah. Inshallah, Sababam, thank you very much. Uh, Sheikh Fadlala, is there anything that arises in you after listening to our friends? Do you want to round, round it up for this first question? We are all on the same page and on the same sentence and on the same, if you like, word and the same dot. Except that we have to put things always in perspective go back to zero time with the so-called Big Bang from which everything that we witness or realize in the universe has emerged. This is a tiny little drop of an ocean of the multiverse and the cosmos. So putting things in perspective is essential because every age they thought their time was the most difficult, most important. If you look in the last 15, 20,000 years, before history, before recording, before writing. You find most people felt also their time was coming to an end. It's because their time has not began. It's because time has no beginning nor an end. It's a tiny little, if you like, womb, which we have to be cooked in readiness to the absolute, to total, utter divine consciousness after being liberated from the body and the mind, which is so-called demarcated by death. We are all on the same path and the same passage. The only thing is few of us can step out completely, go into utter silence and beyond silence to the point from which everything emerges, from which everything returns, and it's not a point. It is the only reality. It is the total true God consciousness, which all of us aspire to. I am delighted to participate in this election, connection with these people. But also, I want to remind you that times are going to be more and more difficult for the spiritual seeker. Don't ever imagine that things are going to open up and everybody is going to be Sufi, Mufi, whatever. It's not true. People want to be in the mode. They want money, they want power, they are moving from one crisis to another. hundred years ago, the population under a billion people converted all the machination of the First World War, gases and all of the other poisons into fertilizers. The agricultural production within 20, 30 years quadrupled. Soon after that, the population also. It is not a funny business. We are running completely amok. We are destroying ourselves with a certain measure of optimism because it is considered pessimism is not good. But where is realism? Realism is that humanity is on the brink of its extinction. And if you are truly your soul, your spirit, then there is neither extinction nor extension nor beginning nor end. So if there is going to be a great calamity, you will be saved because the real you is that eternal light. It's not that you'll be saved because you're out of the volcano precinct. This is the story. And this is worth celebrating. And I'm delighted that you're holding this sort of a connectedness. And I pray that people will also realize that the ultimate solution is within one's own self. If there are more and more enlightened and awakened people, 
more and more politicians will be less corrupt, more and more the whole world will also move towards the destiny for which Adam and his offsprings were designed. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sheikh, and I'm very grateful that you brought this uh, flavor to finish our first round. And I want to use this flavor that you're bringing to invite everyone to witness for a second the beauty of what we're doing. We're, we're 200 and something people around the globe uh, focusing in the same moment in time and in the space of the planet focusing on this uh, subject. So somehow, if we imagine us uh, channeling these uh, vibrations, channeling these uh, understandings, it's a, a beautiful canvas, a beautiful network of, of lights, of hearts that we're creating. So, uh, mashallah for this uh, creativity and the, the gifts that technology also brings to us and the, the new ways in which uh, planet and humanity are learning to, to enlighten. Um, I think this is a very enlightening moment for all of us. And with this uh, joy and with this deepening, let's go to the second round. And the second round has to do with a very simple question that has a lot of uh, avenues to explore. Uh, does Sufism evolve? And if so, how it's evolving now? So let's do the same. Let's start uh, with our elder. And we go around and again finish with uh, Sheikh Fadullah. Go on, Sheikh. We're all yours. Everything that we realize and don't realize within space and time changes. This is, if you like, the divine laboratory. So evolution and change is natural in our existence. I am not the same as I was a day ago, a year ago. No human being were the same as we were 5,000 years ago. So the Quran also reminds us that do not try and justify your static way of life by saying this is how our parents were. So change, 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 change to the higher hiring consciousness, which we can only achieve if we turn away from the lower animal and fear that accompanies each one of us in this journey within space and time. So Sufism was a modified version that occurred soon after the departure of Muhammad and the change, if you like, in the attitude of the people who began also to be infatuated with the outer life and power and created, if you like, empires or kingdoms and caliphdom and so on. So the Sufis were the adherents, if you like, as far as best as they could to the transformative message of Islam, which was do your best in this world, you're accountable at all times, but transcend yourself to the zone of the eternal light in you. So the Sufis were numerous groups started maybe 150, 200 years ago, to try and get back to the transformation of this ultimate, if you like, steward or the Khalifa of, on earth, which is the 
culmination of evolution. So they said, we're not going to fight with the kings and the rulers. We're not going to fight according to which traditions in terms of the structured religion is concerned. We want to do our best to be accountable here and now and in the eye of the creator. So as we are ready to leave our body and mind, and when that occurs, that death was often referred to as the day of wedding. So that was the Sufis. But soon after that, when there was not much fear from being ostracized by the established, if you like, fixed religion and so on, in a way it returns back to the original way of original Quran and the light of it. But of course, Sufis remain with a strong affinity to each other because they are hoping that their priority will be the eternal life in their heart rather than the outer projects and achievements in the outer world. Well, that is really uh, what is important in our today's time. A Sufi is whoever it is, accepts the wonderful packaging of the Abrahamic ways by the Prophet Muhammad and the advent of this magnificent manual for not just survival, but for arrival, which is called Quran, but also like any other also groups, there will be differences and there will be also competitions and so on. So the real Sufi is he who watches himself through the eye of the inner eye, through the eye of the light and accepts anything that exists as a touch of the divine in it even if it is a stone. So therefore the Sufi is he who is saved from the misery of the outer world and saves the world from his own afflictions and miseries and fears and anxieties. So it is the most relevant thing ever. This Thank you very much, Sheikh Murshid Sadi. How do you feel this subject? Bismillah. I, I, I'm, I don't want to split hairs, and I certainly would not disagree with Sheikh Fadwala. Um, I, I would disagree. I would only say I, I question whether Sufism is in fact an ism, um, or it is in anything, uh, because uh, the Sufis I've met, and this includes Sheikh Fadwala, uh, they just talk about themselves as human beings and as fulfilling a human destiny. Uh, and even it's worth knowing since this many dances of universal peace, people are tuning into this that uh, Samuel Lewis was even reluctant to call himself a Sufi. And he said a couple of years before his passing, uh, if I organize here, it's going to be in the, under the title of Islamia Rahaniyat Society. Uh, we're not going to be called Sufis to distinguish ourselves from other people because I'm working with my colleagues in all faiths. And when he was traveling in the Egypt and Pakistan and India, uh, he said that mo most people didn't use the word Sufi, uh, and they avoided, avoided that word uh, because it would set themselves apart from other people. And I would say that was my, certainly my experience when I began to travel to different countries uh, 40 years ago. So um, the, the only reason I'm sitting on that point a bit 
is because there is again a tendency uh, in the current age to want to brand ourselves uh, with with a certain label and some of that of course is unavoidable uh, but the insistence on 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 particular groups or brands or anything that separates us from others separates us from our full humanity is something to be aware of i'm not saying it's something we can completely avoid but it's something to to certainly be aware and beware of so if we remember the last surah of the quran uh, which is the surah an-nas it begins we we take refuge in the in the nurturer the sustainer of the human being and the word nas in arabic is directly related to the earlier aramaic word misyuna which means forgetfulness so we are forgetful beings uh, we, we have that in our if you could say our original dna even if it's not biological uh, remembrance and forgetfulness they're just two sides of the same coin uh, of being a human being so um, we we want to remember more and forget less while understanding that both will be there uh, the flavor of sufism i think is has been changing at least in in the so-called uh, west uh, over the last 100 years again to become more individualized so to speak and i'm not saying it's either good or bad it's just the way it is uh, instead of more of a group consciousness you know based in a in a particular locality based in a in an actual community on the earth where people lived and usually lived their whole lives we're now think, things have spread more globally they've become more dispersed and uh and so the the understanding of a of a way of being with one another which respects the group respects the group consciousness uh with a daub with a certain manner with a certain honesty with a certain integrity is always on a knife edge with this uh, notion of well i i need to express myself i i i have the freedom to express myself as me and and part of that's true and part of that's not true uh part of it's just the soul you could see uh trying to experience or witness al-wahid the unique and we we want to experience that uniqueness in our in our outer outerness rather than our innerness and and the flavor of sufism then uh takes on both you could say both the tendency is for it to become more outer more as i say more selfie uh more oriented towards the self and just the self uh, rather than oriented towards the planet towards the community uh towards our connections or you say our deeper connections with each other and our connections with the inner lineage with the uh, the transmission if you will with the silsila uh which was that you could say the purpose of this as Sheikh Fadlallah says is to dive into that absolute reality that ocean of infinity that that absolute not not nothing suchness uh that relieves us of our burdens so uh, you know when, when we get too outer uh if you will and too individual it detracts from that inner transmissional element which which is the essence of sufism now it's outer forms its outer organizations so you know inshallah we'll be able to 
to be be aware and beware of these uh, of our things. We need to have this sense of taqwa, as the tradition talks about, of cautious awareness of what we're about and how we speak about ourselves to to ourselves first, and then to other people. So, Bismillah. Bismillah. <laughs> Arjun, back to you. I think we might have lost our June. Isa Babri, do you want to take it from here? Hey, well, uh, sure. <clears throat> so I would say again in, uh, in agreeing with both of you that in a sense, there is a constant change as everything is changing and, and constantly there is a new manifestation and that the job of Sufism, the job of Tasawwuf within Islam is to be a vessel of that flowing river of reality, to never you know, stop it up, to never confine it, but to make it possible for people that are searching for truth that are uh, ones that desire truth to access it, to enter into, to to purify themselves in that river of reality, in the river of, of of divinity, divine manifestation, if you will. And so, in this in this sense, yes, Tasawwuf, yes, Sufism is constantly evolving, in in the sense of its manifestations, but in the sense of of its uh, practice. Sufism never changes because the nafs, the ego self uh, that plagues us is the same. The problems that we have as humanity are essentially the same, though their manifestations change. Uh, for if they were not the same, then the wisdom teachings of the Quran al-Kareem, of the Blessed Quran, of uh, books of wisdom like the Masnavi, the, the, book, the book of Hazratim Afghanazad in Rumi would no longer address the problems of humanity. But we, we know very well, many of us by experience, that we find answers to many of our problems by just opening these, these books and receiving from the teachings. And I do think that there is a special flavor that is uh, emphasized in these times and, or that, that needs to be emphasized in these times. And that is, again, the flavor of love, the flavor of ashk, or what in Tasawuf is sometimes called the path, of the, the lightning path, the, the path that reaches immediately because in past you know, people had time to sit and meditate, to retreat, to go on long retreats, to find ways that gave them space in life to be with, with the divine, to be with the beloved. And unfortunately, nowadays, that become, that's more and more difficult for many of us to do. So, but what is the teaching of the 
path of love, as Mevlana says, that love is to fly in the heavens and with every breath to transcend a thousand veils, to tear through a thousand veils. And what are those veils? Those are the veils of limited consciousness, the veils that keep us from seeing the reality of what we are and the reality of that which is around us, which is the divine. So I think that this is truly the, the aspect of, of the path that is, you know, we have to emphasize today. And it's the aspect that gives meaning and understanding to everything else, whether it be the rituals, it be the forms, you know, all of the things that make this tradition so beautiful and so appealing to many people, this is what lies at the core of it because it's this love, it's this ashk that allows us to overcome the problems of this, of this day, the problems of our nafs and the problems that as many of us experience are so intense as, as we look around us outside in the world. And this love in, in action manifests, I feel, we're, we're told the manifestation of it in this ayat, in this verse, in the sign of the Quran that says that the servants of the most compassionate, the servants of the most compassionate of Ar-Rahman are those that walk humbly, that walk with tranquility upon the earth. And I think this is a very important message in, in this day where there's so much abuse of the earth, where there's so much disconnection from the earth as a source of, of blessing, as a source through which the divine manifests to us. It says the servants of the compassion are those that walk humbly and tranquilly upon the earth. And when they are spoken to with ignorance, when, when people address them from a state of consciousness that denies the divinity within each and everything in existence, they respond with what? They respond with peace. They respond with salam. And so I think that this is the, this is how we have to strive to live Tasaw. This is how we have to strive to live the spiritual path in our day and age, inshallah. Can I can I thank you very much for that? I just uh, Arjun has sadly dropped from the call because of his internet, but he has given me the this is Aziz here. I'm the administrator, um, but I have a third question for our dialogue from Arjun, and if I can, I'll put this initially to Sheikh Fadlala. If I can read it to you, uh, Arjun asks us, "What is engaged Sufism, spirituality, and action?" have not always been separate, and we can see that Gandhi is an example of this. There have been times in which great in this, the spiritual leaders stood up in front of tyranny, but now the threat is of collapse of civilization, and the tyrant is not a person, but a group of persons, or, but a whole culture of the neoliberal economy. So the question is, does the Sufi have anything to contribute to the challenges of today? Can I pass to you, Sheikh Fadlala, please? Thank you. I again try and redefine the word Sufi as the universal person, if not awakened, aspiring towards enlightenment, 
through transcendence of the limitations of day-to-day -day life and space and time. So therefore, the moving Sufi has a very important mission, very important state, and very important duty to be both in the world as an evolved being over billions of years, who is aware of the good and the bad and the up and the down, and who's trying to live all the desirable attributes of God, all of the so-called divine names, to be patient, to be generous, to be loving, to be forgiving, and on and on and on. That is humanity, perfecting humanity, was resonating with the cosmic light of divinity. So we have to be engaged. We have to stand up against tyranny, against abuse, against all of the wrongdoings, but equally refer back to the way of God. So we move from witnessing events to then seeing them through the light of oneness. Take, for example, the Middle East. What had happened in the last 50, 60, 70 years? With the Western onslaught, whose main interest is acquisition of what is needed in the world, which is mainly in a big way, energy and fossil fuel and so on and so on. So they've ended up cheating people, lying, taking, extracting, and then eventually had to also give them some dividend, which caused a bit of an education, a bit of a growth, the last 70, 80 years, schooling. And then of course, with it comes the government and it's suddenly the acquisition of power and armament. So all of the backing that has happened in the East is causing so much suffering in that area. Mostly because of the, if you like, only being engaged as far as the Western uh, interests and the, if you like, the mostly concerned with acquisition of wealth and the corporate, if you like, acquisitiveness and power. So as we've ended up having a lot of wealth everywhere and a greater impoverishment everywhere. So a Sufi has to be engaged. We have to stand up and say, no, I won't accept this. But equally, if you know what is God's design, your heart smiles and laughs, but your outer may express anger and disappointment. This is where we are middle people. In this world, not of this world. You can't deny the world. If you deny it, you will be denied the light that illumines the entire universe. So we are here, not of here. We are aliens passing through, through a period of time. And once we have awakened to the truth in our own heart, then death becomes nothing other than a celebration. And always welcome, whenever it comes, if it is delayed or if it is... So we have to be engaged. We have to be aware of the injustices for the poor, for the children, for the old people, and equally aware of the mischief in, in the name of development or of whatever, whatever progress. We have more and more now than ever, and we have less and less true love that is transcendental. So we have to be engaged, equally engaged with the creator of engagement. So we are in balance. We know this is a terrible phase and so on and so on. And so we are in balance because we are constantly drawing energy from a source that is beyond balance, before balance, 
after that, both at the same time and in no time. Thank you. Thank you. I believe Arjun is, Arjun, can you hear us now? No, if Arjun is not with us, can I turn to Murshid Sadi on the question, what is engaged Sufism? What does the Sufi contribute to the current challenges? Uh, yes, Bismillah. Uh, uh, my take on this is that uh, we, we have to, as, as human beings, uh, as practitioners, if you will, as, as travelers on the way, engage where we can best engage. And that often means in, the, in what's nearest to us, in our communities, our institutions, uh, and where we're call, called to serve. Uh, as Isa Baba was saying, it's, this is a, a path of service, really. And if our realization is for anything, uh, it should certainly be uh, for service and for helping the, you could say, the, our communities around us. So when we find uh, dishonesty, corruption, whatever it may be, uh, in, in the institutions around us, then it behooves uh, us, if it is ours to do, to, to stand up and say something. And, and this can vary. So, it can be not only in opposition, but it can be also for something. Uh, if someone feels that they can help somewhere and they have particular uh, gifts, particular, uh, you could say, heart impulses in a particular area, I would say follow those. That's, that's not only the Sufi way, that's the natural human way. And so then the question uh, always comes back to what is really mine to do in my life? And I, I found one, you know, ultimately reliable uh, basis practice, or, or you could say a grounding practice or a foundation practice, which can help with that. Uh, amongst the myriad of wonderful uh, riyazat that we have in Sufism, uh, the, the best thing to help break my, start to break down my habit patterns, my, my just coasting patterns, is placing my forehead on the earth with my heart above my head, which is what forehead on the earth does. Uh, breathing, diving in, you could say to the, to the nothingness that is everythingness. And, uh, and this is what our ancestors have found as reliable. Uh, place forehead on earth, connect with the earth, feel the heart above the head consciously. Uh, breathe in the heart. Uh, breathe with that sense of all-pervading love. Uh, this is what uh, Yeshua, uh, Jesus did. Uh, his whole prayer, the so-called Lord's Prayer, is based on a gradual prostration towards the earth and then rising up again. Uh, we find this all around the planet in unison with the, you could say, the dawn, the midday, the sunset. So we follow that around and break our our human, you could say, craziness, uh, the, the unhealthy habits that we all have, which we try to lessen those a little bit uh, by placing forehead on the earth at various times of the day, uh, rhythmically. And there's all sorts of different ways to do that if we, if we look in the world traditions, but in the beautiful ways that, are, that we 
that have come down to us in the Middle Eastern traditions, it's basically, you know, opening, standing, opening, breathing, feeling from all sides our connection, and then folding, folding in, folding down, releasing, letting go, and then gradually, you could say, coming up again and realizing that there is this greater reality. Uh, there's always a larger reality than what we can know and than what we can understand. And this is the this is what we mean when we say Allahu Akbar. So uh, I'll I'll stop I'll stop there and and pass it on to uh, uh, my friend Isa Baba. As this question of engaged Sufism is you know, coupled with this idea of spirituality and action, I would say that <clears throat> primarily the example of this, the most perfect manifestation of the spiritual path, the example of the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, is also one of perfect engagement because within his acts, within his example, within his speech, within all, all aspects of his life, there was an embodied Sufism, there was an embodied spiritual aspect and there was an embodied external aspect engaging with people. And this is, this engagement is the social manifestation of, of, of the oneness of divinity, of the oneness of being that is the, the heart of, of our tradition, the heart of our path. So a complete and perfect manifestation of this path is not possible without engagement in the world because engagement in the world is knowing that the divine manifests to us in that way as well. And the, one of the great teachers of the Chishti lineage, Khaja Muinuddin Chishti, ends a famous poem of his by saying, Hakkaki bina ida ida Hussein. Verily, the, the essence, the, the, the very being, the very manifestation of the truth of la ilaha illallah, this proclamation of divinity, that there is no divine but the divine, is in the example of Hussein, which is the, the quintessential example after the prophet of engaged spirituality, of engaged within life, living of this reality and standing for truth. And this is... This is what we do. This is what we're called to do. And without this connecting and engaging with humanity, how can we even claim or how can we even say that we're, we are walking the spiritual path? Because our silsila, our spiritual lineage that Murshid Sadi was speaking about is a conscious holding the hand, recognizing divinity through humanity. Because Mevlana Jaladin Rumi says that this hand on top of hand, this hand that holds a hand, where does it reach? It reaches the divine. It reaches the, the hand of the divine is above their hands, as the Quran says. And that connecting in the spiritual tradition is so that we can open up and be engaged externally in the world in the same way and manifest those teachings in the same way. But to be engaged, right, to be, to be present in that way, where does it begin? It begins within ourselves to see whether or not that oppression is happening within ourselves. As our father Adam said, I have oppressed myself. 
I have oppressed my lower reality. I have, I have oppressed my, 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 my higher reality, excuse me, through the, 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 not, the, the awareness that is not the higher awareness, not the awareness of my soul. And so the action, this engagement that we speak about, that we desire, that we know needs to be a part of, of the spiritual path, but oftentimes we see is not, this action requires awareness. And this awareness requires presence, but this presence requires self-knowledge. It requires us to look within. So any step towards an engagement that is not a step inward as well is a step that should be questioned, I think. Because how can we be so sure that we are present and we are aware and that we are acting uh, in, in the right engaged manner if we are not sure of who we are in that very moment? I'd like to thank you very much, Isababa. Thank you. And uh, I have a message from Arjun. He, he apologizes that he, as he is in the mountains and interconnect, internet connection is poor, he's not able to continue on the call. Um, but he would like to thank us all very much. Uh, thank you all very much uh, for your contributions. And he's so, sorry he can't continue. Uh, he would like to suggest that we um, have time for a few questions now, and then we may finish the call with a little bit of information about the uh, Beyond Initiative. So if I can invite people to uh, type any questions in the chat, and I would like to start with an initial question for our three teachers. Um, this was submitted earlier and it says, how can one find a balance between pursuing the need for inner peace and equilibrium with the compelling urge to fight social, political, and economic injustices. The one invites us to witness perfection, and the other invites us to act so as to bring about fairness, equality, and equity. How do we reconcile these two? So maybe if I can ask our teachers if they would uh, like to comment on this. Thank you. All, all begins and ends from that absolute perfection. So the absolute encompasses heavens and earth, known and unknown, all the multiples and the entire cosmos. So we have in origin, in light, in the source of life, have been given that absolute. So if you like, God consciousness lies within every heart of every human being. Children lies within me. But I am in the second womb of the earth within space and time. And this is a preparation for me to return back to the absolute perfection after discarding the body and the mind. So I am here in a zone where is known to my inner heart. Unless, of course, it's damaged and covered by a lot of darkness and debris and criminality. But otherwise, my inner tells me what is correct and what is not, and what's perfect and what is not. But the outer oscillates all the time between good consciousness, bad consciousness, good action, bad action, dualities ad infinitum. So I am in the middle between the infinite 
perfect and the finite oscillating between perfect and the imperfect. So this is for me the training ground. This is like the gymnasium of perfecting by will, by struggle, by prayers, by weeping, awakening to the utter innermost of life upon life within. So these two apparently discordant states are actually complemented. So what you say is a contradiction is true, but in reality it's complementarity. I am here to also stand up against injustices as, as well as I can, as much also as it concerns me and concerns the others around me, near me, and then humanity at large. So I am here to be engaged and to refer to the source of the utter absolute light for referencing clear direction until a point comes where I may need to also truly be fully engaged in combating injustice and falsehood. Or the point is there that you know it's really not going to help anybody whatsoever. So you are not in the right place the right, with the right message. So you have to leave. Silence will be possibly the best way. On and on until you know. But nobody is spared being confronted with what appears to be contradiction, the good and the bad, and the hypocrisies of all that goes on, which is increasing more and more, especially in the last few decades, until the whole of human beings will be awakened that most businesses, most politics have really grown based on lies and, 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 and appealing to the lower animal in us. And then I feel like there will be a very quick and a very contagious rise in consciousness amongst human beings, which I feel is beginning to come. We just have to do what we can and be patient. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Moshe uh, Sadiq and I, Sheikh Sadiq, can I ask you to, to reply? The balance between inner peace and uh, social justice and action. Yes, uh, Bismillah. I, I've, I'd like to follow up on what uh, Sheikh Fadlala said, um, that the, the key is in the question itself, this uh, witnessing perfection. Uh, this is this is this is where the practice, or the, you can say, this is where the exercise, an often difficult exercise, is uh, that when we see something uh, that we find objectionable in our communities, in our organizations, in our world, uh, we have to first uh, find where the, what place in I have to find what place in me is being touched by that, and and work with that. Uh, and then find out the way in which uh, the, the what I find objectionable is is also you could say a a crooked way of expressing a, a one of the the beautiful names Asma Husna, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this whole emphasis on on self and selfishness and uh, aggrandizement of wealth. Uh, it, it, is, it is a misguided attempt of the self to, to portray for itself its uniqueness in its specialness uh, on the outside, uh, rather than attributing that uniqueness to the only being, al-Wahid, uh, and, uh, 
and completely ignoring the other side, the al-ahad, the, the unity, the embeddedness that we are with all of reality, with nature, with the planet. And, and this is a very difficult uh, journey. I mean, no, as Sheikh Prabhupada says, no one gets out, no one gets off easy on this, uh, no matter how far along one goes, because as one becomes more sensitive, one becomes more sensitive to one's own inner foibles, as well as injustices around one, and they they, they can easily be connected. So, what what is the one attempting to express, albeit not in a healthy or what Yeshua would call, what Jesus would call, a ripe way? What is the one attempting to express, but it's working out through that person or through myself in an unripe way, a way that's not appropriate, a way that's that's not in tune uh, with the ultimate reality with. And that ultimately means with, with, with all beings, with, with nature. Uh, and as you say, it, as this, these things accelerate, we, they seem to be accelerating in our times. This, uh, I, would just, I would call a sort of a Nazi reality. Uh, and that itself is a journey of exploration of, of, of human beings, of human consciousness. And inshallah, as Sheikh Fahad Lala says, it's going to, turn the corner and assume, and when it turns the corner uh, we're going to see some some larger shift and perhaps that larger shift is already happening but it's just simply not reported in the news media i mean speaking as an ex-journalist i can tell you that even when i was a journalist in the 70s uh, there was a great deal of censorship of the news and there was quite a bit of what's now called fake news and that's only accelerated over a period of time so we barely hear uh, you could say a, a speck of what's really going on around the planet, ultimately. So in many ways, uh, what we see happening in the younger generation, uh, may we may already see the corner turning. It just takes a little while for, uh, you could say, mass consciousness to catch up uh, with what is, what, what's coming around the bend. I mean, it took a lot for human consciousness to get around the idea that one person couldn't own another uh, is slavery. And in some areas of the planet, that still goes on. But generally speaking now, the attitudes toward that are much different than they were, let's say, 150 years ago, which is not a hell of a long time, excuse me, which is not a lot of time, a long time ago. So perhaps uh, there can be this turning and, and we're in the middle of it. And we don't know it because everything's moving around us. So uh, inshallah, uh, you know, that's, that, that's what I see. We, we still have to, we, we still have to witness what's going on in ourselves, around us, in terms of an action of the divine reality, of the divine consciousness. You could say God having a good or a bad day through us, or through our government, or through our organization, and then decide, okay, what's arising within me from a, a more clean place, from a more disconnected place, that I can do, because I can't do everything about everybody, everywhere, if I don't start with me. Um, you know, only after I've done that can I decide what is mine to do. So I'll call it quits here, and uh, back to you, I guess, Aziz, and maybe over to Isa Baba. Thank you. Yes, I'd like to pass to Isa Baba on this question, the balance between inner peace and outer action. Thank you, Shakur. Eh, I would say uh, 
going from what Sheikh Abdullah and Murshid Sadi were sharing that there is within the, within this question there exists a duality right and and or a multiplicity and the work of the path is to become a person who sees the unity within that multiplicity who is able to see those seemingly contradicting states as manifestations of the same thing and this is what we see in the example of the enlightened beings and the example of the prophets and the saints of our various traditions. So we, in, in practice, we have to strive to be people of how, people of, of a spiritual state, a spiritual presence and awareness, what is called, you know, being a child of the time, what is called being in the, in the den, in the moment, so that that inner peace and outer action is aligned and that it's not, you know, we're not giving from ourselves and feeling that we're not being replenished, but knowing that our giving, that our service is the very thing that is going to also spiritually nourish us. But to be able to see that in that way and experience it in that way, again, that turn inward is the first step that's needed so that that outer turn can be sustained and i would just add a short story um, to illustrate this and that is the story of a student of the great saint abu qadir jaydani and this he left this student to give a, t a class in his absence and his students spoke of the most deepest spiritual realities he spoke he taught you know, he, he thought he was opening the doors of reality to everyone who was present. And there was no reaction. And so what is this, what's the example of this in, in the case of action? Doing so much, but feeling like it's doing absolutely nothing. That it, we're not, you know, making a, even the smallest dent in the world's problems. And so he taught and he taught and there was no reaction and everyone left his class as if absolutely nothing happened. And he came to the presence of his teacher, Hazrat Abdul Qadir, and said, oh, my teacher, I'm, I'm distressed. Nothing happened in my class. I taught them what I learned from you, but nothing happened. And he said, you know, my son, my, my, my beloved student, here's an example. Say, for example, you have a stove and you've lit that stove and you put a pan on that stove and you crack an egg into that pan. And as he's telling this story that has absolutely nothing to do with the question of his student, his, the other students in the presence of the teacher start to cry, they start to shout, th these words are taking them to another realm. And he keeps on telling the story of making an omelet. And at the end, you know, he finishes the story and he turns to him and he says, do you understand? Do you understand that what is being transmitted, what, what is affecting change is state, is our spiritual state. So with inshallah steps towards reala realizing the spiritual state that there is a potential for within us, that change that we want to affect, that we want to share, that we want to bring, that we want to see in the world outside of us will happen. But that step inward is the one that always has to come first, inshallah. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful for that. 
I, I would like to select just one other question, and maybe it is is a variation of of your reply to this. Uh, one of our callers has just said very simply, "How important is prayer?" And it's a very simple question. And maybe if I could leave that as the last question in our our conference and um, come to each of you in turn with Sheikh Fadlala, perhaps. Um, prayers, supplication, hope, expectations are very important for our progress in, in the spiritual realm as well as even in the worldly situations. So if I want to have a higher consciousness of understanding, which gives me a wider and deeper also reading of a situation. So obviously I do whatever I can in the outer sense inquiring, researching, but ultimately everything is emanating from the one cosmic source. So equally, I also perform whatever I can, secretly, inwardly, outwardly, ritualistically, a prayer. But this is what I hope to gain. I hope to be guided. I hope to be given a flash of insight. So as I cope with my sights and their variations and so on. So it's a very natural thing for us to also pray and supplicate and plead and even weep until such time we find the heart and the head, the soul, as well as the mind or the nerves are in unison. And always the soul leads because it's the origin and the source of life itself. So it's very important for us to be on that path of determined, if you like, reaching the point where there is no point beyond it. And that is God consciousness. Thank you. Thank you, Sheikh Fadlala. Sheikh Sadi. Yes, Bismillah. Um, yes. <laughs> I, my feeling is, that, you know, today anyway, uh, prayer helps us remember that we uh, feel as separate, uh, no matter what we may think in our philosophy, we are we are all we are all flawed individuals, and the the sense of devotion in life is perhaps what's most missing in modern life. Uh, I'm not talking about religious devotion. Uh, take the religion out of it, if you will. I'm talking about the inner deep meaning and feeling of devotion. And the way we learn that, uh, at least my understanding is, uh, my limited experiences, we learn that by praying in the footsteps, in the prayer shoes, in the feeling, in the breath of the best of those who have gone ahead of us, uh, the, the different Rasuls, the different prophets. And so on our, in the Sufi way, if I may say that, when we can follow in the footsteps of those it is a sort of spiritual gestalt to their way of praying. This adds to the somatic, emotional, whatever you could say, psychological benefits of prayer. It adds that inner sense of connection. And this evokes, it ignites, if you will, that deep love, that deep devotional aspect of life, uh, which is so missing in our world. And it's missing in us because um, we're getting, as I said, materialized all the time and we're all part of that. And, uh, we're all becoming more and more externalized. So how to turn and return? Uh, how do we have that sense of tauba, 
that the Semitic language traditions talk about, that returning and turning again. Uh, prayer is, is one of the few ways that we can really do that by acknowledging our vulnerability. Uh, if we say, well, I'm beyond prayer, I don't need it, I only need meditation and silence. Well, maybe that's true, but then you need that. And so saying that you need meditation, that's your prayer. So whether with words or without words, I feel prayer is essential. Uh, but again, think of it outside the, the context of, you could say, any organization or religion. Uh, prayer, if you want to call it prayer, I would say devotion uh, is a natural human impulse that says, as Martin Buber says, I, I am thou. You know, there's an I and there's, there's something bigger than the small I. That's the important message of prayer. Or you could say that's the, the experiential practice of the prayer. To experience, yes, we experience ourselves as separate, and we're part of something much larger. So, you know, alhamdulillah, bismillah. Thank, thank, thank you, Sheikh Can I pass to Isa Baba on this question of, of the importance of prayer? Eyvallah. I would say there's so many forms of prayer. There are so many ways that we can draw near into the presence of reality and there's infinite infinite forms but at the essence of all these forms lies remembrance lies zikr and we as people of past that practice zikr know this very well and there is a great blessing in in prayer zikr that is that in that moment we are allowed to step outside of our self-centeredness for just one moment. And that self is that self, as Murshid Saadi says, is that insan that forgets, that is forgetful. Forgetful of what? Of its own reality, of, of, of the reality of hakika. And so in the act of remembrance, we step outside of that limited, confined state, that state that contracts, that state that we know is not all of what we are, and we're able to relax, if you will, in the consciousness, in the remembrance of, of oneness and the remembrance of the divine. And it is this practice that the divine says that Allah Allah says in the Quran that verily in the remembrance of divinity hearts find rest hearts find tranquility and this very simple act is the remedy it is the healing it is the essence of of the path but the way that it manifests is is manifold it can be through the prostrations it can be through walking it can be through lying down can be through remembering for there is a verse in which the divine says those that remember the divine standing and sitting and upon their sides and who meditate and think about the signs that are around them in in the cosmos all of these things all of these things are forms of prayer of remembrance of the divine because they are moments where we step outside of that limited nafs, nafsi awareness into a greater, more vast space. Eyvallah.
Thank you very much. Can I maybe turn to Sheikh Fadlala just to conclude any, any concluding um, thoughts on our dialogue from this evening? Bismillah, Bismillah, Bismillah. I must start with what has touched and affected and illumined my own heart. And that is being together with all of you people and with the seriousness and love and affection and attention we have shared. This for me is a big celebration. And I take it yet another sign that the shift is beginning in this world. And that more and more people through suffering, through disappointments, through whatever, whatever else, all of the tricks that we try to convince ourselves that it is fine, it is good business as usual, more and more individuals from whatever background, whatever religion, whatever race, we realize that no, there is something more important, more critical in this life for which we have been created and that to which we have to also render all of what we have got because it's not ours anyway. It is alone for us to discover by will, by intelligence, which is the precursor of higher consciousness and awakening through spiritual intelligence that I am here to constantly recalibrate with that which is permanent and perpetual. And if I do that, then my fears, anxieties, sorrows in this world would be minimal or nothing. And that whatever comes next will be even more perfect because it hasn't got the shadow of my nefs and it hasn't got all of the other worldly distractions. I am delighted to have participated in this. And I want to thank every one of you, especially the ones whom I know and love, Sheikh Saadi and several others, and for your participation and for your giving due to where it belongs. And that is the maker of it all, the creator of it all. He who is in it, beginning in, and everywhere at all times and in no time. And I really want to thank you, thank you, thank you. I've had the most delightful experience and presence. Now I'm quite ready to stay many, many more years or leave instantly. And it's the same. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you in every way. Good luck. <laughs> thank you. I would like to just uh, follow up with, this, with thanks uh, on behalf of us all for our teachers and for you, our guests, and um, for this opportunity of maybe stepping outside, forgetting for a short while. Uh, it's been very special for me. Uh, we've had over 200 um, people with us this evening uh, and I am so grateful. So thank you all. But just before we finish, I would like to pass on from Arjun from his thunderstorm in Colombia, a few words about the Beyond Initiative, which is taking the, the path uh, to new places. In Turkey, there is a caravan which still has places in the summer and they hope to visit Isababa and Konya and there will be dance leader training in Turkey. Uh, we're looking ahead next year to our first dance leader process in Asia and uh, in a further phase coming to Africa inshallah uh, collaborating with Sheikh Fadlala for that. In the chat I have left details of this it's on the website for Dances of Universal Peace International and if you look for Beyond uh, you can find details there. If this interests you and you, you don't know what I'm talking about, you can email me for follow-up 
and uh, my email is director at dancesofuniversalpeace.org. So uh, that's just a, a brief advertisement at the end. But most of all, I would like to thank you all for joining us and being part of this call. And uh, I'm so grateful. Thank you. And I'll close the call at this point. Goodbye. <laughs>